Hello, and welcome to the Learning to See podcast. I'm Jen Allward, your host, and today I'm super excited to introduce you to Brianna Reed of Creative Counseling in Burnsville, Minnesota. If you've got a teen in your life, you are going to want to tune in today and hear what Bree has to share about creative ways to connect with teens. She also shares a bit about her own healing journey with art, altered books, and post-traumatic growth. To find out more about Bree, check out the links in today's show notes, but to get all of the bonus content from our full discussion, jump on over to Patreon and join our Learning to See Studio membership. Make sure to join at the Digging Deeper Together level so you can get the full write-ups with questions and extra bonus content from conversations like today's with artist and art therapist Bree Reed. So without further ado, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started and learn to see together. Well, hey, Brianna. Hi. Do you like Brie or do you like Brianna? I typically go by Brie. So I was reading your website yesterday and I realized you're a professor at Bethel. I am. Which is where I got my undergrad. So I was like, yes, so I, it is. I teach the art therapy class in undergrad and then also I'm teaching in their master's counseling program, teaching child and adolescent oh, counseling. That's great. And then you have your own private practice as well. Yes. And yep. I have my practice and I see about 15 clients a week. I either clinical clients or like more non-clinical, like just spiritual based art therapy sessions. I have a few of those too. Yeah. I wonder if people might enjoy hearing the difference between clinical and non-clinical. Yeah, that's a great question. So my clinical sessions, um, typically people are coming in because of a diagnosis. So whether it's anxiety or depression, or I work with a lot of teens with ASD or ADHD. So just symptom management and working on expressing your feelings that can help manage when things get really hard. My non-clinical sessions are kind of more loose, which is nice. What I do with my spiritual sessions are I open it up in prayer and I have a very structured directive for them to do. It's a bit always Bible-based, and then we spend time doing art together and then sharing. It's more about connecting you with the Lord versus like symptom management. It is th- it can be therapeutic, but it's that's not the goal of it. The goal is for you to kind of feel whole in a different way versus like symptom management, if that makes sense. That's that's a good distinguishment between symptoms and just being whole. Yeah. Yeah, personal development versus a very specific symptom that's wanting to be managed. Right, exactly. And then you've also made some posts on Instagram and stuff about post-traumatic growth. And I think a lot of people hear about post-traumatic stress disorder and PTSD, but I don't Mm -hmm. think very many people talk about the growth that can come from it. Yeah. Can you say a few things? I would love to. In my book, the chapter on suffering, I resonated the most with was post-traumatic growth. And I share that a lot with clients because it's something that is missed of how can we use the suffering that we have gone through as a way to grow. Not that we go through suffering for the growth. I think it's just part of life, but how can we use it to move forward? So there's different ways, whether it's helping other people through what you have gone through when you feel like you have kind of healed or have come to grips with what has happened, or it's being an advocate, or whatever it is, it's how you grow, becoming a stronger person, a stronger mother, a stronger sister, a stronger whatever, in relationships, or closer to God, or whatever it is, how you grow from the trauma. That's such a good 
important factor. So many people get stuck right there of like, oh, it's just a trauma. I'm like damaged for life. And we forget that there is hope, there's healing, there's there's something beyond that. And this is not the end of the road. And I think it's amazing that God can redeem the worst of situations. He can. And I think it's also important to like, you are allowed to be upset and you're allowed to you have to go through that grieving process. You have to go yeah. through the healing process. But part of the healing process can also be helping other people. I think that can be a part of it as well, as long as you make sure that you're also working on your own healing and how, whatever that looks like too. Yeah, there's the two sides of it. It's not just looking in and spending time alone. It's connecting and reaching out too. And Absolutely. healing looks different for everybody, just like grieving looks different for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we dove right into this and I forgot to like kind of let you introduce yourself. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Bree. I live in Minnesota. I am a registered art therapist, clinical counselor. I have my own practice. I teach art therapy at Bethel and I teach adolescent counseling and the master's program at Bethel. I am really, really passionate about art therapy and spirituality and mental health combined and how using art is a way to connect with God has always been how I have connected with God since I was a little girl. And so being able to use this as a profession is really cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I have married my husband. He's also a therapist. He is not an art therapist. He works with first responders and he loves working with adult men who don't want to go to therapy. It's kind of his, his niche right now, which is really hey, neat. That is a unique niche. Well done. Yes. And he does it really well. He does it really well. And we have two kiddos and then we have two wiener dogs. And how did you discover art therapy? When I was growing up, I have really deep feelings, intense feelings, always struggled with anxiety and depression. And art was always my go-to, my outlet. I had no idea what art therapy was forever. For a long time, I was going to go to school to be a counselor because I wanted to help people who had gone through situations like me. And I was enrolled in Bethel, and then I was going through a really intense breakup, someone that we were planning on getting married. And my healing process was I went to my art. I remember vividly, I was in my prayer slash art room in my little apartment, and I was doing art, and I was like, oh, I wish I could just do this and therapy. Why can't I do both? And then I remember the Lord being like, Pree, that is a thing. Like, it's called art therapy. Like, go do that. And I was like, all right. So I enrolled in the art therapy program and it was completely resonated with everything that I had ever experienced in my life. And what I'm passionate about is combining art and mental health and all of the things. So that's how I got into my program. And now I have my own practice because I was wanting to really incorporate faith and be able to have flexibility, to be able to teach, to be able to be a mom, to be able to write a book, to be able to do non-clinical work. So I have my own practice, which has been really it's been a big journey, but it's been really nice too. Cool. Yeah, and so you have a book. Yes. I saw that. And can you describe that to people a little bit? Yeah. So it's called The Creative Connection. It's an interactive art therapy devotional. So it's broken up into five different subjects. The first one is prayer. So I go through mental health benefits of prayer, actual research statistics of like how praying is actually good for your mental health. And then I talk about how people have prayed with art and like how art and prayer is connected. And then I give an example of how you can use prayer and art together. And then I give people prompts of what are you praying for? What does that look like? And then an art therapy prompt of now I want you to 
make this for yourself. So I have five different sections that kind of go through that model. Prayer, meditation, worship, forgiveness, suffering of how mental health combined with those work together and then art therapy combined with those and then objective for you to go through. That sounds like a really nice pacing. Yeah. Earlier you said you really wanted to help those teens with those big emotions. Yes. And I wonder if that might be a good place to kind of dig in a little bit for people that are working with teens, parents of teens, maybe some teens will listen in. Yes. One thing I do with pretty much all of my clients is I give them an altered book. So I give them an old book and I show them my examples of the books because it's how I use my own art processing as I go into my, my altered book. And we just do art around it, whether it's found poetry in there or there's like just a a word and then we scribble off the rest of the page and then we paint on it or whatever it is. But it's a unique way to do art that isn't as intimidating. I've given clients blank journals too, but sometimes it's a little intimidating to all this huge white space of like, oh my gosh, what do I do with all this? So it, it being a book being, I don't know what to do. Well, I'm just going to look at the words and see if anything pops out at me. And it's really cool to see the things that do pop out at you. Why those words resonated with you. It really is amazing to take a random page in a book and be like, this is like a story about something I'm not even interested in. And suddenly words start popping up and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's here. It's nice to have a starting point. So you don't feel like you have to come up with it all on your own. Absolutely. So I've really found that resonates really well with my teens. And then I will give them homework to work on one at least one page throughout the week some clients really love it and they want me to give them more prompts for the week so I'll write on post-it notes and fill it up in their book for them to go into because that's how they heal is how they go into their art book so I have found that to be really helpful with everybody who's gone through it and then they bring it back in the next week and we talk about the things that they have made and then we can go deeper within the metaphors and the images that they have created it's just kind of a great launching space to go deep I have found with teens that they really, I mean, everybody I think does pretty well with metaphors, but especially teens, because it really takes that pressure off of me. Yes. They engage their brain in a really different way when you're talking metaphor and art. Yeah, it's not as direct. I think they're used to parents ask, how are you doing? And needing a real direct response versus like, I don't know, I feel like a butterfly today. And let's talk about what that butterfly looks like when it's whatever, like, Mm-hmm. It's a way to talk about your feelings and draw your feelings in a way that isn't as tense and a little bit disconnected so you don't feel so much pressure. Do you have any tips for parents of teens of maybe some good questions they could have in their back pocket? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with them with working with teens, um, being a parent of a teen, just to be present with them, creating opportunities to just sit with them and be around and giving them space. I think they, I've noticed a lot with my teen clients that they are tired of their parents always asking them how they're doing because they know that they're struggling, but being able to check in in a not direct way. So just creating time, like just go get some coffee. And if you want to talk about something, you can versus like, let's sit down and you tell me all your feelings about the day can be a little intense because they probably don't know what they're feeling. And to be able to put them into words is really hard and they don't know how to do that right now. They just don't, it's too much. Yeah, that is such a good point there is sometimes they just don't have the words for it. So you ask that question, seems like it should have a very direct answer, but it's anything but because they don't even have vocabulary sometimes for it or they haven't had the time to process and connect with themselves of like, what's all that in that jumbled mess of I'm not doing great today. Right. And I talk with some of my parents about you know, narrating their own stuff 
Like yes. you lead by example. Yes. Say like, I'm feeling this way in my stomach or I'm feeling really angry at that driver. So I'm just going to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sometimes that helps give the words or, and I know you're talking teens, but like with the younger kids, there's a lot of really good emotion books out there to just sit down and do story time. It's not about your kid. It's just, yep. we're going to read a story. Yep. What yep. have been some helpful things for the parents of the teens you've worked with, with creating that time to connect and making it feel safe so that the kids can kind of bumble around and find those words or find that space to open up to their parents? Like what makes that a safe space, a safe connection point for the kids? I think what can be helpful is that they know that they're going to have a time with their parent. Mm -hmm. So it being like, however often you're able to make it, but like, this is our one-on-one time and you always have it. If you need it, we can also just sit and do homework together. But if you want to talk about something, it's here. And also parents making it explicit that this is a safe place so if there's something that you want to talk about that you really are nervous about um, you're not going to get in trouble right now we're just going to talk about it and I'm not going to yell at you and so I think a lot of things that work with parents is their own regulation exactly what you were talking about because kids and teens will feed off especially if they're anxious they're going to be really empathetic and they're going to feel everything their parents are feeling so to really encourage parents to be in check with their emotions and regulate themselves um, even if it feels really awkward to do that in front of your kid you're allowed to do the deep breathing you're allowed to cry in front of them you're allowed to do those things but you need to make sure you're in check because if you're trying to hold it all together your kids are going to sense it and they're not they're going to try to hold it all together and not be real with you yeah or they're going to try to comfort you yeah and that's not instead of you trying to comfort them Mm -hmm. yeah so really setting it up having it on the calendar like this is our time Mm -hmm. together and not always having to go deep right yeah you can just do something fun yeah that connection is so important it's really important. It's, and I think that's just part of the, the role of being a therapist, I think, and just having like a weekly time for somebody. Just even that is therapeutic and healing because they know they have space to talk about it. Not every week do my clients talk about deep stuff. Sometimes we just paint pictures that make us happy and we can talk about fun wins, um, but them knowing that they have a space um, and an adult to talk to is helpful. And that can be the same with their parents. It's different, obviously, like you don't always want to talk about your dating life with your parents, but having a space to have that could be helpful. Yeah. And I also love that you said this is not a space where you're going to get in trouble. Yes. I think that's also really important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like maybe there's a consequence coming, but we're not going to talk about that. No, we're just going to sit and I'm going to be here for you. Yes. Sit and be here for you. Do you have any favorite directives? You mentioned the found books and for people who aren't familiar with that, any suggestions on where they could pick up some books that will be okay to destroy, alter, draw in? Yes. I like the old books because they have thick pages. You want to make sure they have thick pages. Um, And I look through the words and trying to find deep words. I like a lot of poetry books. I think those are pretty safe. You're not going to find any inappropriate mostly inappropriate things in there I like having a hardcover you mentioned the found word art where you kind of skim through a page find those words that for whatever reason resonate then paint out the rest and do something with it any other directives that you have found really helpful that either you love or the teens love um I had normally do this with most clients is having them do on a page or whatever it's in the book or somewhere else is like having them do art with the right hand and then having them do art separately with their left hand 
and so and noticing how their thought patterns change between which one and their dominant hand or non-dominant hand so i think it, it mirrors how they can be in stressful situations where they don't feel like they have control um, so it's a way to be able to pull out their inner logic and their intrusive thoughts in a safe fun way and then we can talk about it and then we can try to do it again and let's encourage ourselves in the art it's you know you normally don't draw with your left hand if you're right-handed so how can you rewire your brain in what you're thinking and encourage yourself because it's that is a perfect way to model and practice it then like when you go and try out for cheerleading and you've never done it before and you're terrified you can then use those skills that you've tried in art to then use that when you're doing something that's a little new and scary I love that where you can be having fun actually building a skill having fun that you could apply later in a yes. different place and remember that you had success with it and when you do the the right hand and left hand drawings do you do it like one at a time or do you do them at the same time I this one is separate um, okay. I do normally do a bilateral scribble drawing at the very like that's the very first thing I do with every client just to introduce them to art therapy and the mind and body connection this one is separate so that you are seeing how you think when you have control and then seeing how you think when you don't have control yes mm -hmm. ah that's a good one how how do you think how do you feel when you feel in control and it's familiar and when it's not so yeah. many applications in the wide world for that absolutely mm -hmm. and do you often have them verbally or in written form process their takeaways or what that experience was like for them yeah, I always ask questions afterwards and we talk talk about it. I've used to have them write things down, but I've had feedback of like, mm, this seems too much like school. I don't want to be in school. So um, we just talk about it and then that way it can kind of free flow with what comes up. And what are some good questions after doing the left hand, right hand drawings? What were the thoughts that came in your head? When you look at both pieces, what do you see? What do you like about both of them? What do you not like about both of them? Which parts were hard? What are similar about them? What's different about them? How did you encourage yourself when you were working with your non-dominant hand? Oh, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. How were you mean to yourself? Would you say those things to other people? <laughs> like if I was doing this art, would you say that to me? Probably not. A little bit. Right, yeah. You're not gonna say that to other people. So why do we talk so mean to ourselves? <laughs> Yeah. Is it like a free draw with each hand or do you have them draw something, the same thing with each hand? Depends. Sometimes if they need a little containment, I'll like can draw a circle and draw in the circle. Otherwise it's just kind of normally free, whatever you want. And they can do different things with each one. So, yeah. I wanting them to have the autonomy and the control in what they're doing. It's really nice for teens for their stage of development and life trying to transition from being a child at home to being an independent adult and there's a lot going on there there's so much going on anything else you'd like to say about that are we missing any pieces from that activity so with art therapy at the end of every session i always ask them if they want to take their art home if they want to keep it in my office or if they want to throw it away because sometimes it might be too raw for them to take home and they just want me to keep it in my little filing cabinet and knowing that if you are a parent of a teenager that they might create some really dark art and that is normal and that is okay 
Um, I've had parents really be concerned about, oh, well, I was going through their sketchbook. Well, first of all, don't do that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I've been really impressed with parents when, like, I had a client draw something really intense in one of her drawings, and I was like, oh my gosh, how is this going to translate when she brings this home? And so I, I asked her, like, how are you going to talk to mom and dad about this? Because they're probably going to ask, because it was a little too big for them to hide. And they're like, I already told them and they know I was like okay great so I, I still brought that out and like touch base with them like this is pretty raw and intense and it just represents how they're feeling and mom was totally like yep yep totally get it and so supportive and I was like this is how it should be and it's not always that case I think parents just get so freaked out they need to get these feelings out they need to draw really dark things sometimes and that's okay because what's the alternative if we right. don't get the if we don't get the dark out yeah Absolutely. How do you explain that to parents that they might draw something super dark? It doesn't mean they're going to act on something super dark. They're trying to figure things out. Do you, do you have kind of a way that you help parents understand that and not get so nervous and scared about those expressions? I say exactly that. Um, okay. that this is just how they're feeling. And it doesn't mean that they're going to do these things. I am always very like, if they show me these, the art pieces, we talk about it and you know, I'm assessing safety for them, especially if like they've never had any of those attempts or self-harm or anything and they're just drawing dark stuff and they're just, they're depressed, like that makes sense. And they have a support system and they're going to their art. That's how I would describe it with the parents. That's part of being a safe person is being able to show that you can hold the dark sides. I always think it's such an honor that, that the it trust is. has been built when they do show that stuff. And to try to keep my emotions neutral around it so that I stay safe. That's hard for parents. They're a little baby. It is hard for parents. And they're like, um, why did they draw this picture of them like cutting, like a stabbing someone? I'm like, well, it's their feelings. And it doesn't mean that this is what's really going to go on in their head or what's happening in their life. It's things it feels like they're getting stabbed in the head. Doesn't mean that they actually are going to do that. Yeah. And that helps open a conversation when you go towards the feeling, not just the picture like, as a fact. Tell me more about yes. why this is the image that came to mind to describe how you're feeling. It's very eye-opening, I think. It is. Helps us understand what they're actually experiencing. Any other tips, thoughts that you want to share today? Well, I think just encouraging whoever's listening to take steps and create for yourself and whatever mm -hmm. that looks like is important whatever that looks like mm -hmm. that's the great I love that about art therapy and art in general or creativity is there's so many ways to do it there is well thanks so much for your time today it's fun to talk about teens and altered books and then that hope of we grieve and we deal with hard things but that's not the end of the story it's not there's there's growth after and sometimes that happens alone sometimes with the therapist and God and sometimes it happens by reaching out to help someone else along Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.